everyone. It's Marilyn Aloria, and welcome to Who Can It Be Now, the podcast. Today, I want to share with you um, a few things about my recent trip to New York. And through that, I want to talk about what it means to develop yourself as a medium and as a psychic and as a healer, um, as a coach, any of those jobs, careers, entrepreneurial pathways that you're going to take. And whether you're choosing to do that or not, I promise you, I think that these stories today are going to be really beneficial for you in where you're at and what you want to do. I don't usually promise things, but I am going to promise that. So I'm just sitting here in front of the computer. I just got back from New York, New York yesterday um, from visiting with my family. And I'm not writing anything down, any kind of outline. I find a lot that I do really well with just sitting down and talking and sharing from that place. And sometimes I ramble on a little bit too much about something, but for the most part, for me, it's very cathartic and I feel like it um, doesn't dilute my stories. If I try to tell them ahead of time or write them, sometimes I like writing them and telling them. So I'm sitting here with all of you um, sharing a very intimate experience that I recently went through and that I am going through that became a very profound experience for me. And I haven't shared it with anybody yet. You're the first. So this story may be a little jumbled. It may be a little all over the place, but I feel like this is how spirit wants me to tell it. And it's a really important story for me to tell right now in my life. I don't take anything for granted. So before I was doing um, this recording, I went into my communities and Facebook, Soul Finder Academy and Membership for Your Soul. And because I'd been away for a week, I wanted to read the posts and comment on posts and answer people and answer people's questions and um, just, you know, support my communities and as they support each other as well. They're really beautiful communities. And um, one of the things that I've noticed was people who are either in a career or starting a career as one girl called it a soul, a soulpreneur career, you know, like using your soul, entrepreneur, putting that together. And um, what I see a lot of the times with people that are developing their skills as a medium, a reader, a healer, a coach, and going out there with their messages, they think that the more they study the practicality of the work, that is what they need. Or what's missing is that their gifts aren't strong enough or their gifts aren't big enough. Or so they need to study it more. They need to um, learn the formulas. And I'm here to tell you that the techniques and tools are important, but it's more important that you work on yourself because your gifts are only going to get stronger. The more you align with your soul, the more you fall in love with yourself, the more that you really accept who you are in this state of being. So something happened to me that I'm going to share with you in a second that made me realize how important this is. And, bef and, you know, I tend to do things in my life without really realizing why I'm doing them, but I go by feeling it. I feel like teaching this. This is what I'm going to teach. It's just, I do things very much. I feel aligned with my soul. And I teach a lot about the psychological components of this work, as well as the emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic, all of the above. And people may understand that and they may not understand that. And the reason why I do that is because I know that when you are seeing, hearing, feeling, sensing, knowing, those are the psychic gifts. Let's say those are some of them. There's many of them. 
and you're having an experience with your clairvoyancy, let's say, but if you don't believe in yourself, you'll have a difficulty, one, recognizing that message, and two, delivering it. So I've always built my programs with the psychological component in it, or the the emotional component in it, the strength component in it. I'm trying to find the right words, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And it never really occurred to me to separate that out because it's, you're not, in my experience, it's going to be very difficult to walk in this world as you truly are if you don't really love yourself or understand why you're doing what you're doing or know, like align with your soul, align with your heart, know yourself. Like for me, when I, my gifts opened up to me, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was something that was happening to me, which is probably happening to a lot of you. And I was working with therapists and I'd been working with therapy for such a long period of time that I was very aware that something was happening, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how it was going to be or what it was supposed to be. I didn't have any questions. I was just like, what is this thing that's showing up in my life as spirits showing up and people talking to me and all this stuff happening, which I've shared earlier in the podcast episodes. And I went along with it. I just surrendered and leaned into it. And this whole world opened up to me. And it really shifted everything in my life and continues to shift everything in my life. And I realized that my gifts and my readings and what I was able to do out the gate was because of all the psychological work I did on myself ahead of time. So I could sit there and go strongly into a reading or walk into a physical space and somebody would ask me to read the space and I could just give them messages right away without editing myself. Now, it doesn't mean that I didn't walk out of readings or walk out of situations wondering what the F was that or was that correct or having some self-doubt that would show up. But I also had the tools and the techniques to deal with the self-doubt when it showed up. Sometimes I didn't. Sometimes it was like, holy mackerel, this is shaking me like nobody's business, this experience, you know. And then I would know who to go to or who to talk to to try to help me through it. Or I'd hire a certain healer or a certain coach or somebody to walk me through a certain type of time in my life in order to support me through it. So as many of you know, and I have not hidden that I've um, re-entered into therapy and it's been a very interesting experience for me. And at first I was working with an EMDR therapist, which it was very helpful, but I wasn't able to go deeper into a situation that I needed to go into with this particular EMDR therapist. I needed talk therapy and I knew I needed that. So I recently hired someone who my doctor recommended and uh, I just had two sessions with her so far and they have been profound, extremely profound. And something I'm going to reveal to all of you that is a place that I held shame in until recently and I'm going to reveal something that's a big, it's a feeling of vulnerability, but it's really okay. Otherwise, I, you know, I, I feel safe in what I'm going to reveal. So one of the reasons why I started going back into therapy was to work on relationship because I, I, although I've had different types of relationship, I haven't really had a very, very serious relationship in a while, in a long time. And I wanted to figure out why that is. Now, I have to be very clear and say this, that the reason that I worked with it with the EMDR therapist, I was like, we need to work on this. And as she was digging deeper into the questions, 
I'm really happy in my life. I have a good life. I am not looking for someone like they, I need someone, someone to fulfill something. So I'm in a different period of my life where it's somebody who's compatible and um, we have a great life together, but I'm not in the place of I'm going to invite any kind of riffraff into my life because I don't, I'm not going to do riffraff. I don't need to do riffraff. My life is great on its own. So when I was speaking with her, she said, after asking me a lot of questions and we couldn't find the answer as to why this was going on, why I hadn't been in relationship and what is happening and the men that I'm attracting. And she said to me, well, I don't think you want a relationship. And I know enough in therapy, I'm coachable. So I sat and listened to that. And I said, I don't think that that's true, but let me sit with that. And that night it kind of woke me up and I was like, no, it's not true. I do want a relationship. So I said that to the EMDR therapist the next time we had a session, but we could never find the root of the issue. So I finished up my work with her and I went to this other therapist and I shared some of the things that have been going on in my life. And she's been diving deep. She's very intuitive and she asks really great questions. And I was trying to find the pad of paper where she has me write down questions for myself, but I can't find it. And maybe I'm not supposed to share it or I could stop this and share it, but I'm, I and find it, but I'm not going to, I think it's really important that I just keep on this round where this, my, my guides want me to just keep revealing. So she had said to me, um, we had talked about like what it is and, and the word, like some, she was asking me description words about myself and about my life. And I was like, you know, sometimes I think, I think people think I'm crazy. And I said a bunch of words and that was the one she really triggered on. She's like, okay, we need to stay with this word. And then the next session we talked about relationships and what happened. And she's like, what happened when that you stopped living? And she kept diving into that question. And before I go into the answer, I want to share something with you. And I promise you, you're going to learn something from this for your own journey in your life as a healer, as a coach, as a, hopefully as a mother, as wherever you are in your life. Before I hired this therapist, I was in a session with somebody. They were, it's somebody, I, not a healing session or anything like that. They would do, I don't want to reveal too much because I don't want to give too much of the person's, but I know them and they do something. Say they do nails, toes, whatever you want to say. And um, she kept talking about an experience that she had in her family that was quite devastating. And she had shared this with me before, but always from a place of like, it was fine. And this particular time she was just digging into it and was talking for a good hour about it. And I said to her, what has changed in your life? Because you've shared this with me before from a different space, but you're really emotionally going through this. And I was like, what has changed? What this is, this is like, I've seen you, saw you two months ago. What is happening that you're diving this deep? And she couldn't answer that question. And about a week later, it struck me that she stopped, um, taking some type of substance, whether it's alcohol or drugs. Again, I want to be very careful that, it, that I'm not revealing too much about the person because I believe in privacy. Not that you would ever know. And um, I realized, oh, she's not doing that anymore. So her feelings aren't being covered up. And the next time I see her, I'm going to, if, if she brings it, I'm going to reveal it to her. It's not like we're good friends or anything, but you know, she feels safe enough to share this with me. And if this can help her support her in some way, I'd love to. The reason why I bring this up to you is because this therapist would not leave it alone. She said, when did this happen? When did all of this stop? And, and what was the initiating factor? And I can't remember how she asked me the questions, but what we came to was when my mediumship ability opened up, 
Uh, it was the same time that 9-11 happened, even though I was having psychic experience, but when spirits started showing up to me, it was the same time that I was living in Manhattan during 9-11. It was the same time that my boyfriend and I, he moved out and then he, he asked me to marry him, but it was too late. I was already moving to, across the country and I just felt at that point it was too late for me. I went into very, very early menopause. I'm going to be really ex honest with you guys at a very early age. My gynecologist always feels that trauma sent me into it because I was too young. Um, I, the ex-boyfriend, something else. Oh, another ex-boyfriend who I haven't really brought into this story yet. He's very funny in spirit. He was very funny in life that I want to bring some stories in about him. I'm going to do a compilation of my stories, I think. He passed too. So it was, I was moving across country to a place where it was so different from New York. 9-11 happened. That was a trauma. Um, my ex and I, who were so close, he moved out and we just, I knew we couldn't make it work. I went into menopause and all of a sudden I start seeing dead people everywhere and feeling everything. And I realized that that is what made me go into this solo life. And I recognized that I didn't feel normal anymore because I had these gifts, because I could speak to spirits and I could see and hear and feel and sense spirits. I no longer felt like I could have a normal kind of life. And I'm still working through this a bit. Um, but what went on for me was when I started working on my gifts and the first therapist I started working with, she was able to work with mediums and the medium that introduced me to her, I thought she was really wacky. And I remember saying to my therapist at the time, I do not want to be like her. And I made this conscious effort to walk a normal path, whatever normal is, right? So I said to myself, you know, I said it to God too. I was like, if I'm going to do this work, man, I've got to be really, really good because you're sending people to me that are really going to be very vulnerable. And I want to make sure I can help them to the best of my ability. And the second thing is I, I want to be a normal person. So we're turning this on and off. This is not going to be on for every Tom, Dick, and Harry to come into my a life and start bothering me when I'm at a dinner table with people who don't understand this world. So those were the this boundaries I put around it, and I'm able to do it. Now, the way that I do it, the way I turn it off, it's something in my mind. So when I'm full on, like I just shared in the other episode before this about what happened at the hotel when I was visiting, when I was at the hotel... Um, at one point I was getting into meditation to just talk to my guides about the situation with my, my mother and my family. I recognized as I opened up all the chakras, all the floodgates came in. So all the spirits and that were haunting the hotel and everybody around, cause I was the lighthouse came in too. So I noticed in that moment, and, and I've known this about myself, there's a part of me that I can really turn off the sh uh, switch so that the energy that comes towards me, the spirits that come towards me, the psychic information that comes towards me, I almost have a wall that I put up to it. So in any situation, say I'm on the tennis court or once I remember the dog trainer, you know, he's over and his dad's sitting next to him. I'm able to put a wall up and say, I'm not communicating with you right now. I need to have a normal experience right now. And what happened is I compartmentalized a bit. So as this therapist in a really good way is challenging me to take the little fragments, you know, and become even more whole, I'm seeing how I was so committed to a normal life and how I, um, how I defined a normal life. So in certain situations, I was like, nope, not opening this. So I have friends that I've had for over 40 years, really good friendships. And there are certain friends that 
when I'm at a dinner table and they're throwing a party, this part of my life gets shut down. And some of you may be like, how could you do that? Why would you do that? For me, I had to do it. It's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to have communication with people. And what I explained to the therapist, I said, people, when people have a reading with me, it's so revealing that they can't be around me in a normal way because they think I'm just reading them or I'm just into their soul or I'm seeing everything. So it's so vulnerable for them that I've noticed after readings, if I'm with people, they can't, they can't treat me like a peer or a normal person or have a normal conversation with me. There's certain people that can, like one of my friends, uh, Jessica, and she listens to my podcast. She became a friend. We did a, a short film together. She came to me for readings and we were also friends. She's able to do it and I'm able to do it with her. Certain friends I can do that with. I really can. I can do readings for them. My friend Brooke, I have different friends, you know, really close friends that they can know all sides of me. And there, but most people, that's why I treat my clientele and my students like a way a therapist would treat their clientele. I treat it, uh, first of all, very sacred, very private. And I don't have friendships with people outside that are, that are part of my work. If you're coming to me as a client, if you're a, one of my students, I do not um, form friendships with you. I just have a very kind of, I like the protocol the therapists have. Because a lot of this too has been the experience of, um, of how they feel around me. I've seen it happen. Like I, I'm not going to say the person's name, but, um, we, I've done readings for them and then we were in a social situation and they just cannot associate. They can't communicate with me in a normal way. They, they, I, I see everything. I feel everything. They're holding themselves back. So there you go. So we had this conversation about what is normal. How do I define normal? And a full acceptance of myself and unconditionally loving myself, which has been leading up. If you've listened to the podcast before this one, you, you know, you're following along with me right now. So here I was with this incredible revelation revelation. I wanted to find the pad because I couldn't remember all the questions she's asked. And one of them was, what would happen if I fully embraced this? What would happen if I embraced it completely? And, um, the uh just there's 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 more questions but i'm just going to share that with you you know um, work that she's given me to do on all of this so i had my session with her and then i um go to new york (laughs) a place where um all this has happened to me right where it where it all opened up going back to the family unit Um, I've shared with you before that I've had some struggles with my brother who's taking care of my mother. Uh, My mother has Alzheimer's. And um, so here we are. I'm going back to the family unit where I definitely compartmentalize who I am because they don't believe it. My mother did because she, when I told my mother and she was still conscious of everything, she was like, oh, of course, my aunt had it. I believe my mother had it too. She could read people really well. And then my father believed it completely too because his mother had it. So it made total sense that I would have it. And I have an older older, older brother. But the brother who is taking care of my mother and my other brother here in, in California, they don't believe in this stuff at all. And that's okay. So here I am heading back to New York and with this understanding of fully embracing myself completely for all that I am as I step out into an even more powerful way of being who I am and loving myself completely for who I am and not hiding these gifts from people and not compartmentalizing anymore. And when I'm fully in my gifts, it's on, it's like on. 
So I go back to New York and um, I had made a boundary with my brother that if when he came into the apartment for my mother that I was going to leave because I didn't want us to get into any disagreements. And I was at my mother's and she didn't recognize me at first. And um, I'm not going to get into that entire story. And my brother came in and we had a very, very nice conversation, a beautiful conversation. My mother was lighting up as we were talking. It was just quite incredible. I may cry on this because I haven't discussed this really, except with one friend yesterday, um, just some of it. And uh, so here I was just having this experience, being with my mother and being with my brother. And it was beautiful and great. And my brother is taking such incredible care of my mother. I'm so grateful to him for all he's doing. So that, I don't remember the time because time started getting blurred um, because I was just in it. And I FaceTimed with my other brother so he could see my mother and we could talk. And he was like, I got to come see her right now. So he's scrambling to get a flight. Um, and then I go and take my mother outside and I'm showing her things and she's lighting up more and more and more, which was really quite magnificent and beautiful. My mother, I will share stories about my mother down the line, um, just because I feel that they will help some people. And there, I want to share her with people because she's so beautiful. I put a picture up of her on Facebook and this guy wrote in and said, one of my favorite teachers that I went to a writing class once in LA. And when this woman heard my last name, she's like, oh my goodness, are you, I have a different last name, a birth name and a business name. My, my business name is um, named after my grandmother. And I said, yeah. And she's like, oh, your mother was my teacher. Your mother's the one who had me believe that I was a writer, second grade teacher. She's like, it's because of her, I wrote a story and she, she put the belief in me. And now this woman's writing for big shows. So that's the type of person my mother is and was. So I... I left there and I um, next morning went to the gym and was running and running is a huge thing for me. And as I'm running on the treadmill, I'm thinking about the story of Sal, which I've shared in another podcast. Um, that one's titled The Dead Guy Behind the Bar and how I'm getting ready to do the second podcast, which is going to put me out in the possibly in the world even more. And I've been struggling with this podcast because I don't know what it is. And I don't know the story. And originally it was always about the murder and the actual murderer. But as I dive deeper into it with my writing coach, Bruce, who's phenomenal and the questions he asked me, I were recognizing there's something so much more to the story, but I don't know what it is. I found it on the treadmill. I'm getting a little emotional. This might not be a big deal for you guys, but it's a big deal for me. So I'm running on the treadmill and I'm listening to this song. Mm, 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 mm by Crash Test Dummies. It's MMM. And it's this song about um, being different. And um, I'll read you the lyrics, the first two paragraphs, and then the kind of some of the punchline. Once there was this kid who got into an accident and couldn't come to school. But when he finally came back, his hair had turned from black into bright white. He said that it was from when the cars had smashed so hard. Once there was this girl who wouldn't go and change with the girls in the change room. And when they finally made her, they saw birthmarks all over her body. She couldn't quite explain it. They'd always just been there. But both bo girl and boy were glad because one kid had it worse than that. Because then there was this boy whose parents made him come directly home right after school. And when they went to their church, they shook and lurched all over the church floor. He couldn't quite explain it. They'd always just gone there. 
And then it just goes, mm -hmm, ah, but the song is beautiful. So I just went to the video and in the video, what they show during the mm, ah at the end uh, of the, the, as the song is ending and stuff, it goes on for a little bit, is uh, the three kids on the stage holding hands, taking a bow, acceptance of who they are. So I was listening to the song and it struck me and I recognized that the story I need to tell was about Sal and me being normal. And I'm going to read you a little bit of what I wrote in a second after that. And um, I was doing it through Siri with no glasses on because the creativity hit me. But one of the things that Bruce has been asking me a lot as I'm sharing the story with him in regards to Sal, and he knows a lot about Sal Minio and also did some research on it, is about how so Sal was a star in the 50s. Um, I don't know a lot about his life because I tend to just really keep it pure to him and I and sometimes I'll do research on him. And he got a lot of success in his um, younger years as a teenager and Rebel Without a Cause was nominated. And then he went through a period of not getting as many parts because he wasn't the punk kid anymore. He was getting older. And then he started really embracing who he was. So he was known as um, supposedly, I'm not going to label anybody right now or label him because I need to really communicate with him about this but bisexual and having um, affairs with men and women and um, different, his, he was open to his sexuality, he was very open in it. And this was in the mid 70s. So as much as there, that was being starting to come out more, he, he was a Hollywood actor and he was embracing his unique qualities and being who he was. And he was really letting the world see him and he was allowing himself to be normal in who he was. So he was working on doing a play at the Geffen when he was coming home at night and was killed. And I do know that, that his killing was not a random act of killing. This had to do with um, his, who he was as a sexual being, you know, and um, discreetness and whatever. I'm not going to get into the whole story now because that'll be shared in the podcast. So what struck me was how he was embracing because Bruce always says this to me. He's like, he was like, look at him, you know, he's this beautiful soul. He's like this, this beautiful person. And you look at him. And, and when I watch, I didn't watch stuff about him because I just wanted to get to know him as a spirit when I worked on his case. And the person I was working with was diving deeper into the material I was giving him and what was available on internet or talking to investigators and trying to piece together the information that Sal was giving me. But when you, when I watch some videos now, because Bruce will say, did you see this video? Because now there's more on YouTube about him. I, he's just so beautiful. What a beautiful, angelic being he is. And you can't help but love him for who he is. And he's loving himself and embracing who he is and embracing his quality and saying, hey, this is normal too. So it struck me that the podcast, the story is really about us embracing our uniqueness and our completeness and our wholeness. And I recognized in that moment, and I really have to thank Bruce, which I haven't done yet, recognized in that moment that it's been such a big wait for me to, to reveal who the murderer is and get to the real murderer. And I'm like, that's backstage. <laughs> that's the back burner. The story is about how when... There's so much more to this, but when Sal came to me, 
it was such a big reveal and such a big story. And the people around me were blown away by the experience, skeptical people. And I was blown away by it. Sal helped me to believe in my own gifts because I was a skeptical medium. And I was like, this is insane. How am I getting this information that I have don't know at all? Nobody in the room knows. I'm not picking up anything psychically from people that know information that are calling me in to confirm their, their uh, ghost that they know is there, their mother. Nobody knew what was going on. And this ghost comes to me and gives me all this ex accurate information. He blew me away. He blew me into my own gifts and my own unique qualities and owning them. And if it wasn't like, and it, the people around me were like, how is she doing this? That helped too, because if it was just me in the experience, I'd be like, yeah, all right, maybe. But everybody else was like, holy mackerel. The only reason why I'm sharing this with you is because it was a real moment in my life where I started embracing what I could do and who I am and what I am. And Sal taught me that. And I've always known that that's part of the story. And Bruce is always bringing me back to that piece. Like you guys came home to yourselves. You're coming home to yourself. And that's what Sal's teaching me. But it, it never really fully, I never fully understood it until I was running on the treadmill. I'm back in New York. I'm around my mother and my brother, and then my other brother was coming in, right? So I was having conversations with him. I also talked to an old boyfriend of mine on the phone. I think this was after, so I'm going to share that after because that was a big piece too. So what I wrote, and I'm going to see if I can even understand it. I said, I figured it out. Listen, after listening to the song, and I said, hopefully this will translate because I couldn't, I didn't have my glasses and I was using Siri. Mm -mm -mm. So it's about being normal. And Sal was not considered normal, but he was embracing his normal. So that's what I'm going to say. I can't read this. I'm going to try my best because Siri, whether it's my Brooklyn accent or it's Siri. Um, and it's for the therapist was saying to me, why did your life stop? And all I wanted to do, all I wanted was to be normal. So I pushed my gifts away, I guess. I'm using Siri, so this is messing up. So he wanted to be normal, Sal, to be accepted for who he was. And he started to get accepted for who he was in sexual orientation. And then he got killed. And I said, there's a big message here that, that I said I wanted to be normal. And then I'm finally accepting that I'm normal. And he never had a voice that he got to explain that this is what it's like. Like, I feel like he wanted to come out with this story. Like I'm accepting who I am. I am normal. And now he wants to have that voice from the other side. And it's his voice. He wants people to embrace who they are. So, um, I wrote that and, and I'm added a little bit right now to it because again, I have to have my glasses and carry them with me. So I went upstairs and I was like, oh my goodness, this is the story. This is the story that I need to tell. And of course that's a piece of it and I need to start diving into it now. And it allowed me to embrace more of who I am because this spirit is teaching me how to accept all parts of myself. And the reason I bring this to you, and there's some more of the story I wanna share, but you, you're only you're only, you have to accept yourself fully, especially if you're going out with a business that is branded in your own personal self. You need to accept and love yourself for who you are. And I hide it a bit. 
I hide some of it. And I know I do. I turned off speaking to deceased people because at the time I was doing it and there's, and, and I still haven't shared the full story about what went on and I will, I know I keep doing that and I'm sorry. Um, but there's just so much time and there's so much energy and there's so much meaning in one specific place. But there were so many mediums out there and they were competing with each other. And I don't like that kind of competition. I'm a very competitive person, but mainly with myself. And when I start feeling that kind of energy with people, I usually remove myself from the situation. And people may say, well, that's because you're competitive. I'm like, no, when I'm around people who we embrace each other, we see this in my communities, we raise each other up. But if someone starts uh, targeting me or attacking me, and I, I usually am like, okay, you can have it. So in this particular instance, I was like, you know what? I'm done with speaking to deceased people. Let You can have that. I'm just going to speak to people about their lives. And when their deceased people come in, which I needed to do anyway, it's going to be about you moving forward in your life and your father, or your mother, or your aunt giving you that message about or your ex-boyfriend moving forward into your life. But now I'm recognizing like all the light switches are going on. I'm not allowing them to be dimmed anymore. No matter who accepts me, who loves me for who they are, doesn't matter anymore. So here I am plopped down in the center of my family who don't really fully accept me for who I am and how I am with them. So when I'm with them, it was interesting because I, so my other brother came in and he's uh, a born again Christian and I'm happy that he found something that works for him but we do not have the same belief system, but who's to say my belief system's right or his isn't. But I don't even go into those conversations. At a couple of points, he also has very different political views than me and um, a lot of different things. He's super intelligent and, and I love him, I really do. But we have to avoid conversations. And there were certain points where he was getting into a conversation I, and I was like, I'm not getting into this conversation with you. And then he was like, well, how could you not know about this or do this because I don't watch the news. I, re- I haven't watched the news since I think I was in college, even before then. I stopped watching it in high school, I believe, because it was too depressing. Some people don't understand that. They think I'm uninformed. I don't really care. I'm not going to watch that stuff and have that affect my day. What I need to know, I remember posting this in Facebook when something was going on and I and I said, hey, I, I don't watch the news, so I'm sure one of you will let me know if, some, if the world's ending. I can't remember what was going on world-wise. It might have been COVID. I don't remember what it was. And my friend Amy was like, I can't remember what she wrote back, but it was so funny. And she's like, yeah, I got you. I'll text you. And um, I was like, thank you. And so he was saying to me, well, how could you? That's uninformed. If we were around a group of people, I was like, if we were around a group of my spiritual friends, they would say you were wrong. So I said, why don't you just accept me for who I am? I accept you for who you are. And he was fine. And, and we actually had a lovely time. And then there was one night where my niece was doing stand-up. I didn't know she did it. It was great. And um, my both of my brothers were there. And I still walk on eggshells, you know. But we were having a good time. And my brother was asking me a question about relationships and stuff. And I was sharing a little bit about it. And my other brother was like, I didn't even know you wanted that. And I was like, yeah, you know, and he's like, well, how would I know you don't share anything? And it's true. I learned how not to who to share with and who not to. So the whole point of it was I there are certain situations you have to you have to know what you're going into. And I'm not going to go into a heated conversation with someone where I know that there's going to be no winning because that person has to be right no matter what. It's not worth it to me. It's not worth the energy to me. 
But here I was smack dab in the center of the people who only love me with conditions or what it feels like to me. They may, they may disagree. And after coming off of this, this is synchronicity, by the way, coming off this conversation with my therapist about what is normal and why, what would happen if I completely allowed all my light switches on all the time. And how, and I said to her, and I wish I could remember exactly how I said it, but I was like, I've said it to you guys in the podcast, walking in this world with all those light switches on is something I teach people how to navigate. And I'm getting ready to embrace it more and more and more as I do it. And accept my, and I I do accept myself and I love myself so much and I'm not going to hide it anymore. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm going to walk into a family dinner in my house, not that I would walk into a family dinner in my house. Um, you know, with my brothers and stuff, we did go to dinner and stuff like that, but I made sure it was on neutral territory and be like, Hey, this is da da da. They want to know about me. They can listen to my podcast. It's just not something I'm going to do. And I'm okay with that unless something else gets revealed. So it was fascinating to me that I was in this experience, embracing all of who I am, loving all of who I am, being with them. We had a beautiful time. My mother's light was, my mother's light was on and there were moments where her personality was there and it was so magical and amazing. And during this, I'm communicating with a couple of different men that there's some interest going on. And um, it's been a really great experience for me because I am who I am, having this experience, getting to know them, being very open and getting to know them, but also observing. And it's not with that, uh, attachment or anything. It's just watching them. And if you want to listen to the interview with Tracy Crosley, she's a good friend of mine. She teaches about attachment energy. I don't know a lot about that stuff, but Tracy does that. And she's a specialist in it. She's on one of my podcasts and she also has her own podcast, Tracy Crosley. I'm not going to spell her name right, but you'll find it. She's really good at this stuff. And I was sharing with her, uh, we do Marco Polo and she was like, wow, good for you. You're being open without attachment. And I was like, thank you for sharing that. I wasn't sure if it was, I didn't know that that's what it was. I just was like, oh, maybe I really don't care, but I'm just kind of being open and talking to them. So one of the guys I was talking to is um, somebody I dated briefly in high school and he's from where I grew up and really, really sweet guy. I'm not going to give his name. And um, when I was talking to him, we were talking about growing up and everything. And what I reckon, what I'm recognizing with these few men that I'm talking to, I'm noticing what I love about them. And what Abraham Hicks said to somebody recently, I was listening to it about three or four months ago, a few months ago, she said, focus on what you do like about the guys, not what you don't like. And that's what I'm automatically just normally doing. And I'm like, what I love about this guy is he's the salt of the earth. These guys, these guys from a Brooklyn where I grew up, you know, the type of guys like you wanted me to pick you up from the airport. How's it going? You know, checking in with me. Um, there's just a quality, and I'm not saying that this doesn't exist in other men. I've seen it in Southern men. I'm not saying it doesn't exist in Northern men. I'm not stereotyping it. I'm just telling you my experience. So don't beat me up if you're somebody from somewhere that I didn't mention. I'm sure there's these guys everywhere and these, you know, good people everywhere. But I was talking to another really good friend of mine, and she's like, yeah, they're just, there's something about the men that we grew up with that are just, they take care of you. They're like this, they, they're just the, the salt of the earth is what we call them. And what that means is they're grounded in uh, values. And, you know, my friend and I talk about this all the time. We were so happy we were raised the way we were. And in Catholic school, the way we were raised, it may have not been a good experience for other people, but we were raised with a lot of morals and integrity and um, that kind of energy, very conscious of other people and taking care of other people. I'm not saying that other people aren't. 
So please know that when I share my stories, I'm sharing from my perspective. I'm not saying it doesn't exist anywhere else. I know it does, but I don't have every experience in the world in my body. So um, that was interesting too, having these experiences and being, being who I am and being truthful and being and showing up and feeling normal. So that was a really great experience. So then I was heading home and I, my brother and I met up at the airport. We were flying to different places, but we were flying to the same place. And the tra tram system, the air train wasn't working. So we had to wait and get on this bus that was very crowded. I'm a little claustrophobic. And um, please don't send me remedies on how to heal it. Um, and I was on the bus and we were sitting and this guy was trying to get on and people were finally like moving out of the way because there was a spot that he could stand and then he started getting into an argument with another guy and I was like knock it off and I started speaking up and I've done this before and they stopped the fight and um they stopped fighting and it was me speaking up and this other woman actually chimed in which was great but my point of this all is my, so my brother last night, I was texting with him because we were just my brother here in California. We were just talking about different things. And um, I texted him a concern I had. And he was like, your mind is, you know, about my mother. My, my mother's being taken care of amazing. My brother is taking such good care of her. But I was just asking him something. And uh, he said, no, I think you're think overthinking things. And then he said, I want to tell you, that was really amazing what you did on the bus with those guys. It's a huge moment, guys, for me, because in my family, and they may have a different perspective, I very rarely got acknowledged for the good that I did. I always got acknowledged for what I was doing wrong. And I thanked him and I said, yeah, you know, I find that it's better that women speak up in those moments because if another guy speaks up, it could be like, you know, crazy. I've done it before. I did it on a train once. Um, where this guy was fighting another guy and I was the one who stood up and, and started a ruckus to stop them from fighting and they stopped and then a few people got involved and we got the conductor to throw the guy off the train because he was really he was drunk or something and starting a lot of trouble so it was a really big moment for me this whole journey was a really hurling healing journey I want to share one other thing with you and then I want to cap it off in a summary for you to learn something hopefully um so I was talking to another friend who's about to take she's from Brooklyn a friend of mine that I've known for years. And I say that for a reason. And she's taking a really, really big step in her life. And she said, you know, I'm really scared. And I said, of course you are. You, you Change doesn't happen unless you're, you know, you're going to feel afraid. It's something that you're changing in your life. It's something big that you're deciding on. And she said, thank you so much for saying that. Because we think like we're supposed to feel secure. We're supposed to feel comfortable. And then we make the decision. No. This whole journey of going back to New York, one of the reasons why I put myself back into therapy was because of the struggles I was having with my brother. And I am not making my brother wrong in this. We both are having difficulties with each other, the brother in New York. And that was one of the reasons I was grieving my mother, grieving my father, grieving my ex who passed, grieving my relationship with my brother. And I knew I needed some help. And that's what I, when I first um, sat out therapy again, the EMDR therapist and then this therapist, Change happens when you recognize you're uncomfortable, but you want something more, something greater, something better. You know you're meant for more. So you call in the troops to help you 
to support you. I have very, very good friends on my way home from San Francisco. I talked to my really one of my closest friends, Brooke, and um, we had a great conversation and she was trying to help me to how, you know, how I'm, my mother's in New York, I'm here, it's very hard. Um, and she was just helping me. I'm not ready to talk about some of that stuff yet. You have to be surrounded by people that love you. It's why I love my communities that I've created, Soul Finder Academy and Membership for Your Soul. Those people in there, the people in there are amazing. They are amazing. Find a community where you get supported. You don't get berated. So you can be fully you and show up. And for me, I found like I have spiritual communities for sure that I can fully show up. Well, some of those spiritual communities, no, you know what I couldn't show up with? my Brooklyn side, my Italian side, my strong side, because they would be like, oh, she's a little too strong or you need to be all loving. And I was like, oh, this isn't my community. So I, I need communities that accept me fully for who I am. I think about John Burgos and I who are friends and we're a little bit different in some areas, but we accept each other for who we are. So I have those communities created. I have those friendships. Then then when I know that I'm struggling with something, I have my guides, but I call in additional help. And my guides usually help me with who to go to and where to go to get that help. And the reason why I share all of this with you today is because I'm showing you a bit of my journey right now, because to do what you want to do, the greatness that you want to bring into this world, it starts with you and it ends with you. One thing my brother said to me, the one from California, he was saying something that I was doing and I said, he wasn't accepting something. And I said something back to him. I never remember particular words. I remember feeling energy and uh, what comes out of it. And he said, it doesn't matter what I think about you. It's between you and God. And that's something that I always say, even though I think we have different belief systems when it comes to God and uh, our relationship with God, he was right. It's between me and God. And at one point I had said to him, we were out wheeling my mother outside and it started thundering. And I was like, oh, it can't rain. We need to take this walk right now with her. And it didn't rain. And I said to my brother, it didn't rain. He goes, well, I said a prayer to God. And I said, well, can you, we were going out to dinner with my other brother that night and his family. And I said, could you say a prayer that we all have a really good time tonight? And he was like, well, why don't we pray together? And I'm all good with this. I don't mind it. So we we're sitting in my mother's apartment and uh, he's saying a prayer. And I'm just closing my eyes and listening. And we had a beautiful dinner. So I feel like what I've also come through, I, I don't know yet, but is ex like acceptance of each other, of who we are, how we can be with each other. I don't know how that's gonna look just yet. But the main thing that I walked away with was how do I fully turn all my lights on, embrace completely who I am, share my story, share who I am, do my teachings, and be who I am and love myself completely and then do what I'm here to do. And I feel like I'm fully stepping into that, fully stepping into that. And I wanna share that with all of you because I see some of the hesitation in my communities about going out in their full brightness and their light. And, they, and people get struggled. They think maybe it's the client or it's the sales pitch or it's their product page or it's, and it's no, it's acceptance of self, of who you fully are. And then you attract the light-minded people. That's what my guides call it, light-minded people, not like-minded, light-minded. So 
Think about where you need to love yourself, where you feel like you're trying to be normal. And is it the normal that you want to be? And learn how to embrace yourself because the more you fully accept yourself, the more you fully love yourself, the more you recognize that your psychic gifts, your mediumship gifts, your your channeling gifts, your animal communication, your whatever it is, those gifts are what make you who you are. And that is normal. So embrace it and love it, be with it and show it to the world. All right, guys, thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I feel like the title of this podcast is so perfect. Who can it be now? Cause I just have no idea. And every time I come here, I just open the door to my guides and to spirit and to my heart and to my soul and to all of you. The feedback has been so wonderful. Thank you so much. And I just, who can it be now? I don't know. Let's open the door and see. Thank you. <laughs>